Well, good morning. We are uh, a few weeks into a new series called Living by Design. Do you guys believe there's a design for your life? There really is. Um, how many of you guys were not here last Sunday? If you were not here, make sure you go watch uh, Pastor Doug. Also, if you didn't get a handout this morning, if you don't have notes, put your hand up really high. Just keep your hand up if you do not have notes. And uh, Usher will find you and give you notes. So, Sydney, that was a really good transitional thing for me because finding something that's really good that you wish you had earlier. How many guys have something in your life that you wish you found way earlier in life, right? Um, and also, so next Saturday, uh, I really encourage you guys. We go out every other week, the outreach team, and we have an agreement with the city of Pomona. So we don't just randomly go pick up trash. Uh, Mayor Sandoval started a whole um, clean, you know, clean Pomona um, and we literally are in covenant with the city. We say we will, every quarter, we will literally clean the street of Foothill Boulevard. Like we will make sure that we clean our neighborhood and we will do that as part of our commitment to this community. In the meantime, we run into amazing people and we get to pray and talk with them every single time. There's never been once that we haven't gone out and had opportunity to go love somebody. How many of you guys know the easiest thing in the world is love people? Come on. Wouldn't it be nice if Christians would love people? Come on, I don't want to be a smart aleck. What? Some of you guys' minds, man, you got to straighten that out. Like, one of the things that drives me crazy, you guys, is when we ask people what they think about Christians, right? I rarely, rarely hear, oh, you guys are so kind. You're so loving. You guys are like amazing. Like, thank you. How many of you guys hear that? How many of you guys hear a few different things? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if you and I learned earlier how to develop a life of intimacy with Jesus that would make you more loving? How many of you guys want to be more loving? Come on. How many of you guys know we try to get super honest here and tell the truth, right? No bologna sandwich. BS for you hardcore people. Just saying. Why do I say that? It's shocking to me. Shocking to me that Christians can be so mean. Shocking. Like, I, you know, Sydney goes, don't you wish you learned something about food? I wish I learned about intimacy with Jesus. I've been a Christian almost 40 years, right? I wish I learned about intimacy with Jesus years ago because it's softening my heart. It's starting to change me from the inside out. It's starting to shift everything about my life. So I spent 30-something years doing stuff for God, but not being with God. How many of you guys know we don't do well stuff for God if we don't be with God? We need to be with Him. Amen? Amen. So the last few weeks we talked uh, about you are designed by God. Doug last week talked about design for a purpose. Um, if you weren't here, it's going to be in your notes. I'll hit it later. But he talked about four areas to deal with. And this, these four areas, you guys, and, and it's literally, 
Um, repent, renounce, remove, restore. We need tools. Like this will be the I wish morning. I wish I learned a lot of things. I wish somebody would have taught me when I first became a Christian and gave me tools of how to break off the shame and the guilt and the hiding of my life. Hello? Talking to anybody today? How many of you guys know that we still live in shame? We still live in guilt and we still hide. Those are things we do. And so let's pray this morning and ask Holy Spirit if he would come and open our hearts. That he would touch every mind, every soul, every spirit in this room. Jesus, we ask you today to awaken us. Lord, we're not here just to hear a sermon and go live life. We're asking that we would actually live what you commanded us to do, and that was to love you and to love people. And Lord, I confess that I haven't done that near as well as I wanted to, and I need you to help me to do it. And so today, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see how much you love, how kind you really are. God, I pray that this church and many others would flip the switch on how the culture views us. That in the next few years, people go, I don't know what you guys did. I don't know what you ate, but you guys are becoming the nicest people ever. Amen. Lord, let that be true of all of us. Amen. Amen. So, so Doug, I was messing with him first service. I noticed you moved back, brother. What happened? Front row. Love to mess with Doug. But Doug tackled a really, really hard um, topic because he talked about th these four areas you can apply. You can apply them to anything. He happened to apply them to our sexuality. How many of you guys know sexuality is a major issue in the culture and world and it always has been? It's very theological. Some people think, oh, the Bible and it's all this holiness. I go, you should read it. Like, really? Like, it was so encouraging when I became a Christian. I was in my 20s, right? So most of you know this used to be my gym before I was a Christian. I used to work out here and live crazy. And I got saved, but you Christians were the best actors I ever met. You guys all know the story, right? You guys fake it better than anybody I know. You acted like you had no problems. So I thought I was the worst Christian in the world because every time I came to church, praise the Lord, we're great, hallelujah, amen. And I'm like, really? Because I'm like jacked up. I still hate my dad. I'm struggling with lust. What do I do with that? Satan tried to get me to quit before I ever got started. Why do I say that? Because you and I better get real about what the Bible says. We're not even honest about theology. Do you guys know from Genesis to Revelation, the number one problem by far in humankind is sexuality? You guys know that? Like, well, but no, but New Testament, they didn't have that problem anymore. Jesus came and all Christians are free now. You guys have no struggles with anything, right? How many of you guys know that's just ridiculous? It's crazy. It's not true. And so I don't know when we're going to get honest about it, but Jesus is going to keep shaking the earth because he loves us, right? If you will allow him, he will shake you. So I want to encourage you when we talk about intimacy today, look, try to get past all of the baloney out there in the name of Jesus and get to know the man. Because he's so kind. And I spent years not believing that. I did not know how to sit with Jesus. 
and I became a servant of Jesus instead of a son of Jesus. I spent years thinking he called me to be a slave instead of a son. He wants to talk to you and I. He wants to look you in the eyes and listen to me. He'll say hard things to you. But that's not because he's mad at you and he's condemning you. It's because he wants to help you. He wants us to actually live in a place of freedom. Amen. He really does. So as we looked at, at all these different places of design, I want you guys to look at Genesis chapter four, because I want to talk about breaking the cycle of shame, hiding and blaming. So we we messed around a little bit in week one. Remember, everything was perfect. You guys remember in the garden, everything was great. Come on. How many guys know everything is great if you could be naked and you don't even know? Come on. That was weird, though. Think about it. Adam and Eve were naked like this trips me out and they like didn't even trip on it. I'm like just thinking about that right now is weird to me. Guys used to say if you're a public speaker and you get nervous, pretend the audience is naked. I'm like, no, that's worse. It's totally distracting. I'm like. So Adam and Eve make a choice because God gives free will. And instead of meeting with God every single day, they started to hide from him. I want to lovingly submit that you and I do the same thing. Some of us do it in being so busy for God that we're not actually with God. Genesis 4, the first boys ever born on earth. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil and offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions of some of the firstborn of his flocks. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very what? He was what? <laughs> and his face was. So prior to the fall of man, how many guys know people weren't angry and downcast or anything? It was just perfection. Here's the cool thing. Jesus said when he comes back, he's going to restore not just our physical bodies. How many guys are glad that one day we get a new body? Like the older I get, the more I'm like, I need a new body. He's not only going to give us a new body, he's going to take us back to what I really believe was the the pre-fall of man. Like we're going to be like, we can't even, we're actually not even going to have evil thoughts about each other. Some of you are like, no, I really like mine. I'm comfortable with them. I enjoy them. I don't know why you would take them from me. Um, So I want to really talk about the cycle of this stuff because it still happens in the church today. And it happened from the beginning of time, and it's still going on. So the Lord watches these offerings, right? And, and again, I don't have time to break it all down this morning for you. But so Abel has an offering, and Cain brings an offering, and God likes one. And the other one, he says, wasn't as pleasing to him. Now, a lot of commentators have all kinds of suggestions We do know that Abel brought the first fruits, right? The fat of something, like the best of something. And it seems like Cain maybe didn't do that, right? So God wanted to talk to him. Now, please listen to this. When you're doing anything in life or going through stuff and God wants to talk to you, please don't run away from him because I promise you he's not there to guilt and shame you. He's there to help you. 
Most of us won't sit with him because we start feeling, well, I did this thing and now I feel bad and so I run. So what does God do? Look at verse 6. So then the Lord said to Cain, how many guys know Jesus and God were always trying to talk to his kids? Even when they made mistakes or didn't do something, he did not remove himself and go, you know what, Craig? You're a mess and you blew it again. And you know what? I'm not even going to talk to you. Aren't you glad that God doesn't do that? Why do I say that? Because most of us were treated that way by friends or family or others. And we have belief systems that makes us think if somebody's mean to you or you think they're judging you, you're not going to go seek them out. Come on, you guys. Do you guys know if somebody's harsh to you, you're not going to be calling them every day and going, hey, can you be mean to me again? No, really, I just needed to get discouraged again. I wanted to get bummed out again. And I really did something bad yesterday. And I really need encouragement and love. But you're really good at just browbeating me. So I just wanted to call you and see if you could help me beat myself up. Because I am already beating myself up. And you're actually better than I am. So please let me have it. Because I deserve it. Here's what's crazy about Jesus dying for you. He paid the price so you don't have to deserve any pain, any shame, any guilt. Amen. So God comes to talk. And what happens? Anger. How many of you guys know it's not wrong to be angry? Hmm. The Bible says be angry and. okay. so in your anger, how many guys know God knows you're going to be angry? Why? He created different emotions and he knows the reality. He's not pretending like, well, I'm a Christian. I never get angry. No, you're in denial. If you don't get angry or you pretend you don't, you're in complete denial. And if you think that God doesn't want you to be angry about unrighteous things, you're missing scripture by a mile. God was very angry about unrighteous things. Right. But he's trying to love us into righteousness, not beat us into righteousness. Hello. So God meets and he talks. And then here's what's mind boggling. Look at verse six and seven. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door and it desires to have you. But you must what? Who has authority over sin in your life? So can you actually rule over struggles and stuff in your life? Okay, now watch. Here's the next thing. Okay, please put yourself in the context, you guys. This is the first boys ever born on earth. God's still coming and talking to mankind. Important point for you to know. He still does it today. He comes to talk to them. Something wasn't exactly right. He wanted to bring clarity to it and help. But what happens? He says, look, you've got to rule over this. Now, Cain said to his brother, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and killed him. If anybody invites you to a field. (laughs) Now, all joking aside, how many guys have been invited to a field to be beat up? So most Christians I know, when we share this story, they're like, Yeah, I get angry, but I don't go kill anybody. Come on. Well, I hope some of you in here. Well, I've killed a couple people, Pastor. How many of you guys know that we kill people with our tongue every day? 
How many of you know the Bible says that life and death is in your tongue? Jesus brought a, a teaching. This is what I love about Jesus. He turned the whole world upside down about what people believe about right and wrong. He goes, you've heard it said don't murder. But I tell you that if you're angry in your heart towards somebody, you've already committed murder. And what I'm telling you is Christians murder people every day. I can't believe how much anger and hatred there is in the body of Christ towards people. We should be angry towards evil, but not towards people. We haven't been able to parse that out. We're just, it's mind boggling to me. I, I just, I just, it's just crazy to me. Can you, as a Christian, can you really, really love God and hate people? Can you? Then you and I ought to test ourselves when we start talking and we're murdering people with our tongue. Those people. I don't know who those people are to you. Whatever that, whatever category fits you, those people. Do you guys know that Jesus loves those people as much as he loves you? Do you guys know that God loves every human being, including people who do bad, evil things? You mean God loves murderers? Yes. And he'll talk to them. And if they'll turn their heart, he'll actually use them to change the world. Who wrote at least half of the New Testament? What was his name before that? What was he doing? Killing Christians. You guys know the story, right? He's on the road to go kill Christians. Here's how good Jesus is. Jesus actually talks to him. I believe this. Jesus talks to every human in the world. People tell me, well, I don't know about God, but there's something inside of me, this conscious thing or something. I go, yeah, call it whatever you want. I'm telling you, it's God's created order. I believed it before I was ever a Christian. I didn't know it, but I knew he was talking to me. I just didn't know who he was. So what does Jesus do? Saul's already arresting and putting people and killing people. And what does Jesus do? He does it for every human being. Hey, can I talk to you? Who are you? Jesus. And what did Jesus say? He always speaks the truth. I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. Did you hear what he said? Do you guys know when people persecute the church, they're persecuting Jesus? My hope is we would act like Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? My hope is we start acting like Jesus instead of acting like we've been acting. Because Jesus speaks kindly. Jesus gives revelation. Jesus gives insight. And that's what he wants to change the world. Amen. So Luke chapter 10, I'm going to read these verses quickly and we're going to be moving on. But Jesus and his disciples were on their way and they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home. She had a sister called Mary. But I say Mary. Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was what? Everybody say distracted. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. I, I love this story. And I love Christine. My wife always feels bad for Martha in the story. Christine is Martha. I'm a Martha, right? She loves to have people come over. She wants to cook them food. She wants to entertain. How many of you guys know that's good? How many of you guys know if you have people over, you should cook food and hang with them? 
Like, I love you guys. Don't invite me over without food. Just being honest, man. I love you. I'm just saying. Why do I say that? Because Christine and I talk about this story, and she feels like Martha gets a raw deal. Hey, somebody had to make lunch. Come on. How many guys know it's important? I love what Pete Scazzaro says about this story. He says, here's the issue. If Martha would have stopped and sat at Jesus' feet, she couldn't have received what Jesus was saying because she's so distracted. How many of you guys know that if you're eternally distracted, you're never going to have intimacy with Jesus? It's funny how we can watch hours and hours of videos every day or shorts or any of whatever it is that we watch. But just a few minutes with Jesus is hard. Do you guys ever notice that? It's a weird thing. So why do I say this? Jesus wants us to sit at his feet, but he also wants us to go do things for him. It's not one or the other. Everybody say first. Love God and love people. That's what God wants us to do. Here's the hardest part. You and I learning to love ourselves. The second commandment, Jesus said, is just like the first. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is just like it. Love others like you love yourself. Here's my problem. I don't love myself that well. So why can I be mean? Because I don't really like me. Why? Because I had got hurt when I was young and I had a lot of issues and the church really didn't help me deeply to deal with it. They just said, hey, I just want to pray for you and speak deliverance over your life. And so you're free now. How many guys know usually there's a much deeper process to work through? Here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus wants you to walk through a process with him. Jesus, I suppose, could just heal everybody of everything. But he loves us so much. He loves walking in life with us. He actually wants to walk us through it, not just fix us. How many guys know if every time you said, God, help me, and he just did it, you probably wouldn't hang with him a lot? I call him Christmas Jesus, right? It's like, ho, 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 Santa Claus, give me what I want. And when he doesn't give me what I want, I get really mad. None of you guys, thank God. All right, now turn to your notes, because we're going to run through these really quick. Grab your notes. First page, the greatest commandment, right? Hearing that the, Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. How many of you guys know silencing a Sadducee is a miracle? Okay, I'll put it in modern day terms. Silencing a pastor is a miracle. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hearing that, the, that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with the question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. All of your what? Soul. All of your what? Soul. Your soul and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So, I just want to try to help you guys understand when Jesus says, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength and love other people that way. What does he really mean? Because when I first became a Christian, the spiritual life was highly emphasized and the emotional life was actually shut down. Right. It just was. It was like, look, you don't need counseling. You don't need help. You just need more. Craig, if you could just get more of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be fine. Right. So. 
I used to be a youth pastor. I was a brand new Christian. I'd only been a Christian a few years. I'm youth pastoring up uh, in Central California. Big church, great church, spiritual church. Here, Damien, come up here. Because you remind me of my pastor. Why, why, why are you afraid? Why did your face got all, why downcast, oh my soul? <laughs> so this is true story. My pastor, I was youth pastor, and he said, hey, I want you to preach on Wednesday night to the adults. I thought, you're crazy. And I thought, okay. So I preached this sermon. Now, for those of you that know me now, my, my eyes leak often. Did you guys notice that? I have a thing. I don't know what's wrong with me. Back then, they never leaked, ever. My wife will tell you. No tears were coming out of my face. And I spoke on a Wednesday night, and at the end of service, I feel the Holy Spirit, and I'm exhorting people to live for Jesus, and all of a sudden, tears are flowing out of my face. And it was very strange to me, man, for real, like, wow. And, like, I don't think I hit a home run, but I felt like I at least, like, hit a double. Come on, somebody, you know, it was all right. So my buddy, my good friend on staff, he goes, hey, pastor wants to see you. So I'm, you know, I'm like, all right, like, pastor wants to talk to me. I actually was excited. So I run up to his office, and I go in, and he looks right at me, and I'm just like, this is great. And he goes, don't you ever pull that emotional crap again. Now listen, I love him. And I understand why he said it, because this is what the church has trained leaders in for the longest time, and they still do today. And it's heartbreaking. Not, hey, what was that about? What was going on? How about this? Jesus wept. Look, I'm not here to bust his chops because I've been trained to do the same stuff, but it's time that we undo a bunch of the crap we've learned. Amen? So guess what? Hey, pastor, I love you. I forgive you. Okay? You're my buddy. Yes. Now go back to your seat and don't ever say that to me again. <laughs> now listen to me. I want to connect this to intimacy. Hear this. If you and I are not careful, we will chase stuff our entire life and will never be truly satisfied in our heart and spirit ever. The Holy Spirit was trying to teach me intimacy in the midst of the body of Christ telling me I don't need anything else except the Holy Spirit. But when I, I was spending good amount of time with Jesus and he kept talking to me, he kept dealing with me about my father and my anger and my issues. Son, I want to talk. To you. I want to help you. And part of that started to come out. Do you know from that day until X amount of years ago? I shoved all of that stuff so deep inside of me. There was no chance Holy Spirit was going to get that out of me for a long time. I'm not saying it to be mean. Why do I say that? Many of you have been taught as Christians you're not supposed to really deal. And I'm telling you, you are. I'm telling you, God made you emotional. And emotions can be good or they can be bad. How many guys know if you just make choices based on how you feel all the time, that is not always the best thing? Come on, how many guys made choices just because it's how you felt? And then a month later, you felt different. And then you realized that thing wasn't so good for you. Come on, some of us did that a lot in life. Why do I say that? You guys, 
there's, there's a counselor that Christine and I went to a number of years ago. She wrote the book with her dad called Safe Haven Marriage. Her dad's name is Archibald Hardy, taught at Fuller Seminary, uh, amazing psychologist, and he wrote a book with his daughter. If you've not read that book, I don't care if you're single, you should read the book because it gives you tools on intimacy. So this is the early days of Christine and I starting to learn that we're kind of jacked up and we need to work on stuff. So we read the book and I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to do any of that. Don't even know. So we go to her office and we're sitting on the couch and she's talking to us about tools and she's asking us questions and I'm talking to her. And she goes, quit talking to me and talk to her. And I'm like, but I'm talking about her. I don't want to look at her right now. Like, I could feel the Superman x-ray vision burning in my soul right now. I don't want to look. So she goes, okay, you two get in these chairs. Now turn and connect your knees. <laughs> now tell her. Tell her what's bothering you about what she does. <laughs> Do you have any idea the price I'm going to pay for this right now? You... How many of you guys know Christine feels exactly the same way? Because she has to do the same thing. Now tell him. And I'm like, don't you, you better not tell me nothing. <laughs> Why? Because that's in my DNA. Oh, but wait, I thought you're a pastor and a loving Christian. But you can't even hear your wife say something to you you don't like. You know she loves you. But as soon as somebody, anybody says something you like, don't like, son, it's a trigger inside of you. You don't even know what's going on inside. Your brain starts guilting and shaming. You start pushing people away. You start hiding again. You start going into lonely places. Listen, I'm talking to all of us. Quit doing it. I don't care how bad things seem to be. Get help. Work on your stuff. So we slowly have been working on it and we are working on it. And here's the good news. I'm learning how to feel. I'm learning how to love my wife. I'm learning how to love my kids. I'm learning how to actually talk about hard stuff that gets in the way of me having deep intimacy with Jesus. Because I did not sit with him. And look in his eyes and get knee to knee. Because as soon as he started to tell me something that I didn't like, I would just run, go get busy for him. Well, God, you know, I'll just go build another. I'll just go do another thing. And he's like, son, stop it. I, I actually want to set you free because my highest priority is love. And if the church would learn to love, the world will come to Jesus. I believe that with all of my heart. If we would actually be like Jesus to people, people would be like, where do I sign up? Yeah, I got all kinds of issues. I, I don't even know. I'm an emotional, emotional basket case. But if you're telling me he wants to help me and walk with me and love me despite my stuff, where do I sign up? You're telling me there's somebody that will walk me through my pain and help me and get me to get free of all of the hurt and brokenness in me. I'm like, yeah, there's a man. And he loves us and he wants to help us. Amen. So watch. I'm going to ask if the worship team would come back up. I want to define the soul for you. So as the worship team is coming up, I, I look at your notes, because this is my biggest challenge. As I travel 
go to nations, talk to leaders, national leaders, pastors, and others, especially the older generation. And I start talking about getting emotionally healthy and developing deep, true, honest intimacy with Jesus. Here's what I've learned about what we've done at New Life for at least 10 to 15 years. We've learned to be really honest and at least talk about our stuff. Come on. How many guys know it's true? Not going to hide anymore. Not going to pretend. Not going to act like I don't have it. Like you don't have it. Everybody has it. Right. So Billy and I worked on stuff for years. Billy did the lion's share of it. We just would meet and he would write curriculum. Most of you have taken the identity class, right, in the healing class. You know what I've learned? Those are really good introductions. They're really good introductions, but they're not taking me to the depth that I need to go. There's more that Jesus wants to do. So this is one of my promises to everybody here at New Life. We are going to work on spiritual, emotional, sexual, mental, and relational. We're going to literally put tools in your hands for the next numerous years to help give you tools. This is why this outline is here. What Doug talked about last week. There's also resources I'm going to talk about. You and I need tools. I've heard a lot of good sermons, but nobody was handing me stuff going, here, go read this, go do that, go apply this, go to counseling, work on your stuff, learn to talk to your wife. <laughs> uh, that's weird. I mean, come on, deeper than just surface. It's just for a bunch of us guys, that's a hard thing. So watch what I didn't understand theologically. Everybody say soul. Now, just look at the highlighted parts. So I go and I talk to leaders like this and pastors and leaders. We didn't understand it. When God says, love me with all of your heart and your soul, he meant your emotions, your affections and your will. I did not know that. I thought they were all separated. I thought there was like five silos inside of me. When I need the spirit, I go to the spirit. If I want to deal with emotions, I go to emotions. I go to them. And God's like, no, son, everything's connected. Everything in you is connected. You, you, you cannot be a spiritual giant and an emotional infant. It doesn't work like that. You have to become mature in every area of life. Otherwise, you will default and fall off a cliff. Here's the soul. The soul is the seat of affections and will, the self. It's a human person, an individual. How many guys know that your soul lives forever? You guys know our bodies are wearing out, right? But God says this, your soul literally is eternal. The person's distinct identity down at the bottom, the seat of what? Of what? Everybody say feelings. The seat of feelings, desires, affections, aversions, our soul, heart, etc. The soul regarded as the moral being designed for everlasting life. The soul as the essence which differs from the body that is not dissolved by death. So I'm going to ask if you would stand with me. We're going to press into a time of worship. As you're standing, look at this page right here in your notes. It has the colored chart on it, if you will. If you've been a Christian any length of time, you've heard this body, soul, spirit, right? You have a body, you have a soul, and you have the spirit. 
I love what Dr. Caroline Leaf said. If, if you have never read any of Dr. Caroline Leaf's books, you need to. The first one I would suggest to you is called Switch on Your Brain. She's a neuroscientist who happens to be a Christian who's a brilliant on how your brain works, what's happening in your heart and mind and how your brain functions and why it gets hardwired and how do you get out of like generational curses? Because a lot of us can say, oh, I'll just pray against generation. You can do that, but the belief system's hardwired in you. And unless you learn deep meditation, how to unwire it and rewire it by God's love, you're going to default. You will. You'll default to the painful thing. So here's what she said. How we think not only affects our own spirit, soul, and body, but also the people around us. God designed humans to observe our own thoughts, catch those that are bad, and get rid of them. Science and scripture both show that we are wired for love and optimism. And so when we act by thinking negatively and making negative choices, the quality of our thinking suffers, which means the quality of our brain architecture suffers. We're going to worship for a few minutes. And as we do, I'm going to ask you if you would all just shut your eyes right now. Just before we worship, we're going to take one minute. And I want you to shut your eyes. And I'm going to ask the worship team to just to not play any music. And I want us to sit in silence or stand in silence for one minute. Ready, go. How many found that just a tiny bit challenging? Christine and I are taking a class right now. Part of our homework is to sit in silence. And it's not something I've done very well. And my brain starts going 8,000 miles, 100 different things. And the Lord's saying, I just want you to be still and know me. So we have to practice sitting in silence. And it is a serious discipline right now. And I realized I have missed a part of Jesus that is so good. Silence is one of God's best communications for you and I. And we live in a world where we can't stand it. We just, right? Like, I can watch hours of videos and it seems like time goes like that. 
But I try to sit for five minutes of silence and I'm like wigging. So as we worship right now, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to show you areas that he wants to help you with, that he wants to build intimacy with, that he wants to strengthen you in. Let's worship together.